1: Hey guys, this is Jenny Allen and you are listening to The Made for This podcast. A lot of you have heard of if gathering and probably are a part of it, but if you don't know what it is, it is this sisterhood of women all over the world that want to see God unleashed through our lives and in our lives, and we want to use our gifts for the glory of God. And so if you have a heart to see your community come together around the things of God, we want to give you the tools to do it. We want to equip you with everything you need, and one of the ways we do that is we host this gathering every year, and it is really special. Hundreds of thousands of women come together in over 100 countries, and Together we talk about the things of God for two days and one night and another day and it is going to happen this year. 2020 is going to happen February 7th and 8th. If you want to be a part... Go to ifgathering.com and click on If Local and you can host in your city from your place and we want you to do this. If you feel like, oh gosh, I'm intimidated, I don't think I could do this, join the incredibly large club of us that feel the same way. When I started If Gathering, it wasn't with might and power, it was with trembling and fear and yet God moved through it in such a powerful way and he continues to. And I want you to know that you're invited to be a part of this, to host in your place and to sign up and and invite a few friends or a lot of friends into your living room or your church and you'll be joining a whole lot of us that are doing this across the world. So sign up and we will give you everything you need. So go to iflocal.com. If you're a Right Now Media subscriber, you can host for free and you can sign up for that through our website. So go join, be a part of this story and the sisterhood. You will love it. You will not regret it. Hey, everybody. I am excited for you to meet my guest. If you don't know her, uh, you need to. she I've been following her on Instagram and actually invited her to If Gathering this year. She was a part of If Gathering, and we'll put the link to her session there. And I mean, to find people that are great with the subject we're going to talk about is rare and powerful. And so meet my friend, Tiffany Alice. She is a leading voice in the realm of money. Yes, we are going to talk about money because this is something that touches every part of our lives. So Tiffany, welcome. We're excited to have you.
0: Thanks Thank for being. You. Thank you for having me. Honestly, I'm excited. And if you're listening, you might know me better as the budget Nista.
1: Yes. In fact, go on Instagram right now and follow her. You will love all of her practical tips and just her personality. I think more than anything, Tiffany, is what drew me to you. So let's talk about how on earth did you find yourself with this giant passion for money?
0: Well, I was kind of born into it. My father, he's retired now, was a CFO and an accountant, and he has two degrees in money, one in finance and one in economics. And so we just talked about money when I was a kid all the time. I'm I'm one of five girls, and my mom was like the practical money handler, meaning like, this is how you shop and this is how you save. And my dad was like the academic money teacher, where it was like, sit down and let me show you how to budget. Well,
1: Not everybody has parents like that. So (laughs) I know that's why you are in high demand everywhere. So (laughs) let's talk about some of the practical things that as we're heading into the fall and we're setting up rhythms and patterns for our lives and for the people we love, what does it look like to be wise with our money? What are five practical things we could do
0: this fall to really set in motion some healthier patterns? So the first one is going to be probably the most obvious because I am the budget nista, but one is to create a budget. So a budget is just a physical picture of what your money is doing. It's a list of all of your expenses, the things that you have to pay and the things that you want to pay. So want to pay like groceries and eating out and things like that, grooming, and then things you have to pay like bills. So listing that list out, I like to call it a money list writing down how much everything on your money list costs you monthly, then do a little math, subtract your monthly expenses from your monthly take-home pay. And that is a basic budget. Start with that. Yeah. And I
1: think, you know, that's pretty simple, but I think when you do that, you're going to start to see some unhealthy patterns. You're going to start to I was surprised. I'll be honest. Like a few years ago, we hadn't budgeted in a while. And I was like, you know what, we need to lay this out and see what we're spending on what and when we did, I was a little appalled by some subjects like Mm -hmm. eating out. I could not believe how much we spent on that in the last year when we laid it out. And so I think there's something really powerful about really looking back and going, okay, how much am I spending in these different
0: areas? And how much should I be spending? Exactly. Because sometimes you tell yourself, I'm a great reader. I love to read. Reading is important to me. But <laughs> then we look at your bank statement and it says, I'm a great eater. Eater is, eating is important to me. <laughs> so amen, reading, amen. Right? So that's the reason why I budget is so important because it, it, it allows you to see is, are my values in alignment with the way I'm spending my money? If they're not, I need to realign your spending to your values. Okay. So
1: I agree. We need to budget. We need to lay it out. Mm-hmm. After we do that, what next?
0: You want to make savings inconvenient. So a couple ways to do so. Well, the main way to do so is you're going to automate your savings, but I want you to put it into an online-only bank account. Most of your, your money is probably held to your regular brick-and-mortar bank, like the kind of bank you can physically go to if you, if you do that but I want you to put your savings in an online only bank where there is no physical location for you to go and and get it from, here's why. You're gonna link bank accounts online and the only way for you to get access to your savings is going to be to transfer it from your online only bank account to your physical bank. You could transfer it online and it's about a 24 hour wait. So this is what most of us do. We go to our favorite retail store, we wanna buy something, We'll look on our phone and we'll look to see. Checking says there's no money here, but your savings says, oh, we have some. Even though this is supposed to be for family vacation or something else, we make that transfer on our phone and then we buy the thing. But if your savings is in an online-only bank, that transfer takes at minimum 24 hours and it makes your money inconvenient and inconvenient money gets saved. (laughs) That's good. Okay. Number three. Number three, automate everything. Automate, automate. So I would say three is actually separate and automate. So I really believe that you should be separating your money. I like to have a checking account for my spending and deposits. I literally call it my deposit account. I've named it online. I have a separate checking account just for bills. So when my money lands in my deposit account, I transfer my bill money to my bills account and my bill money is paid automatically out every month. I've automated that process. And from that same deposit account, my my savings is transferred to my online only savings account automatically. Separating your money helps to give it purpose and helps for you to see how far or how close you are to your goals and automating everything. Really automation is a new discipline. You don't have to fuss with money like you used to. So separate automate is number three. All right. I love it. Now, I want to
1: stop here for a minute because we've had a little bit of trouble with automation mm-hmm. in our house. So sometimes you automate your bills and they fluctuate. What have you seen as far as that pattern and and how to combat, you know, differences in monthly bills? Does that make sense? Yes, it does.
0: So there are some bills that you might set aside. Um, every I used to, every other Saturday, I would sit down and kind of pay those bills. It's still um there's some sort of automation there because you're paying them online but those bills that i'm not sure if, if they might fluctuate especially like when summertime i live in new jersey the air conditioning can make the, my electric bill higher than what i'm accustomed to so those bills i i can actually go in and pay them so i make time for bill payment um every other week to kind of sit down and maybe there's two or three of those bills that i do do that kind of like by hand but really still digitally So it's still fairly convenient. So that's what I would do to make sure, do I have enough money in my bills account? So Tiffany, for a second, talk about that, just your mail. Like this
1: is our biggest problem is we will throw mail in a pile, it will grow and grow and grow. Like what's your, what's your way of like sorting? I know this is basic stuff, but I think Mm -hmm. these simple patterns are where everybody is in the fall. Like if I could just build a few healthier patterns that with the chaos of my life, I could probably get in a better place financially. So what, what's your pattern from the point of even just getting the bill and, and then the discipline to sit down
0: at a regular time? So typically your bill will come in the mail, but I don't even worry about the bills that come in the mail because I'm the worst with that. I mean, my mail will pile up. So instead I have a notebook with my bills listed and the ones that I know are paid automatically. I see them at the top and the ones that I know are my responsibility to look at every other week to see if I need to pay them. I have them there and I will log in and see, okay, PSCNG, which is our energy company here in New Jersey. Okay. I'm going to log into my PSC G account. Great. I can pay that. So I don't let the, the the mail tell me what to do. I will just go on and log in to see for myself because the mail can get overwhelming. And maybe there's only really three bills I really need to look at in that way instead of looking at every single bill that comes in. They make it so much easier to just to just look online. These days, I even typically request not to get paper bills anymore. And instead, I can get an email bill, which I don't even look at that. Like I said, I I take full ownership to say, I'm going to look at this on Saturday when I've set aside the time to do so. So good. So helpful. Okay, number four. Number four, make it a family affair. So here's the thing. I grew up in a household where money was talked about all the time, and that's why myself, and the rest of my sisters, except for baby Lisa, has become really frugal and good with our money. Lisa's not that she's not good with her money. She's just not all that frugal because she's, she's the baby. And you know, and honestly, <laughs> to be fair, I feel like the sisters raised Lisa, so she didn't get all the good, good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree. So a family affair means this. So my parents were really good at integrating us into the family's finances. I can remember being little, and really up until high school and college, my dad would put the electric bill from the past month and the current month on the dining room table because we passed by the dining room table every day. And he would highlight the, the, the amount that the bill was. And we would see, was it up from last month? Was it down? And when we were younger, he would <laughs> use that as a, as a motivation tool for us to go on vacation. Like if it went down, he said, I'd put, I'll put this money in our vacation account. Now, I mean, now that I'm older, I realize that, you know, saving 20 bucks is not really adding to a vacation. But what it did do was it made me realize that the choices that we make collectively as a family in the household financially either added or subtracted to our quality of life. And so, like, allowing your children to see. So it was always age appropriate. So it wasn't like, oh. There was never this sense of there's not enough or, you know, like my dad didn't didn't teach us personal finance from a from a standpoint of fear. It was always very matter of fact, like, here's the thing that we want. If we make these changes as a family, we can get that thing. So it was always very proactive. And whether I was four years old I, and probably my earliest, earliest memory with money is I used to run the water when I was four, four or five, because I liked the way it sounded. And my father couldn't figure out how to get me, how to, to stop. And so what he did was, when we were younger, we didn't have much money. Um, and so when the ice cream man came around, we could you could um, get ice cream on your day. Everybody else had to go to the house and get ice cream out of the freezer. And since I'm second born of five, my day was Tuesday during the summer. So the ice cream man came around. I can run in the house and ask for a dollar. So I came in the house, asked for my dollar. My father said the water man just left. And I didn't know what that meant. He said, no, every time you run the water, I have to give him a dollar. And today is your day. Oh, no, I had to give him your dollar. I had a heart attack and then came back to life. And (laughs) and I realized from then on that I was not going to run water. But do you see how you can make it so that Mm way your children can be a part of these choices? Because up until then, I didn't care about the water. But if water meant that I was not going to get ice cream, I cared about the water bill now. And mm. so, making it a family affair and, and figuring out ways that you involve your children is going to be critical. Okay, number five. Number five, and most important, giving. Giving activates abundance. I remember post recession, I, I was um, probably at my broker's, not probably. I, I remember thinking I have less money at 30 than I did at 16. That's the height of the recession, it was when I was 30. And I was struggling and even during those times, I was still giving of my time and I was still tithing. And it seemed crazy to some people, but to me, when you tithe and you give and what you're really acknowledging is that God, I acknowledge that you, even in the times that feel like lean times that I have excess, meaning like I have more than enough blessings, Mm -hmm. that so much. So that I can share when you, when you acknowledge that in yourself, like that's true, regardless of whether you believe it or not. But when you really believe it, you, you motivate and you move in a different way because it was like, wow, Tiffany, you can still give this 10%. That that means is even though it feels really tight, and even though it feels like scary now, you, you are still so blessed that you can still help someone else. So giving truly activates abundance. And I think that that's a critical component in any financial navigating that you're doing in your life.
1: Yeah. And somehow I think it changes your heart towards the rest, right? Like when you see the power of giving, I know it almost becomes like you want to spend less so that you can give more because you see the good that you can cause with income that you give. And so I know for us it's been it's been you know the practice of that has become more compelling not as we've gotten more and more comfortable but as we have given more and more even mm-hmm. if we're uncomfortable because yeah yeah you just see like gosh this really can change and multiply and last, right? Like those are the things that are going to last. So here's what I want to talk about: is in each of these episodes, we've been super practical, but really at the core of each thing, and we talked about technology with Andy Crouch, and 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 really it's the same with money that that we can become addicted to money and yes. to spending, and and that's a deeper issue than just finding basic principles. So just talk for a minute about the the deeper issue you see with spending, and what is it that is really holding us captive and in bondage, because that is really, if we don't get to the core of it, it doesn't matter what practical steps we have.
0: I'll say this, that we have created and we've raised our children and ourselves really in this environment where we have decided that more is more, right? That somehow if I get the bigger house and the better car, If I I win, I win at life, I'm going to somehow be happier. Mm. And the truth is, that's just not true. I remember the first time I went to, so my parents were both born um, in Nigeria. And I remember the first time that I went to Nigeria, I was uh, 21, right after I graduated um, college. And we went all together as a family and to see like my family that I'd never met before in Nigeria and the level of joy I had not seen and when I tell you my family has next to nothing in, like in comparison to what we had in America. I mean, but the level of joy, I, I remember mm. just being shocked. And I remember in particular, there's one thing that just used to blow my mind that I love that if someone gave me something, maybe an aunt of mine, you know, gave me food or whatever, and I would say, Oh, thank you, Auntie, she would say, Thank God. And mm. I remember the first time, I remember being like, oh, oh, okay. And then another one, and then a, a cousin, and then a five-year-old. And, Everyone, thank you. No, thank God. And and I realized that, that when you root yourself in money, then you will always be dissatisfied. That what I saw there is that that they were rooted in in God and in their faith, and from that came their joy, and and they didn't have to have much to to have everything. And I just remember thinking like, wow, it was just such a powerful lesson. I was so glad that. Because you know, 21 right after college is when you really start adulthood. And I was so glad that I got to see that before I got to launch into what I wanted my adult life to look like because it it has it has seized in every the way that I navigate and and move as an adult, that that from a space of gratefulness, I don't have to have much. I mean, my friends used to tease me, like, you know, Tiffany, you could buy a better car, you can have better clothes, or you could, but I'm not moved by that. You know, I didn't grow up in a household like that, but, but that singular moment, like, you know, not thank you, but thank God. And, and that's not where joy comes from because I, I know multi, multi millionaires and some of them are happy, certainly, but I know so many that are unhappy and I know people that have next to nothing and some are happy and some are unhappy, but the the thing that that is that is at the core of it is just this sense that it doesn't come from material outside things. And once you really understand that and navigate from a space that you don't need those things in order to find joy, then um yeah. It's just, yeah, I'm still moved by that. I'm just thinking about that. Like, wow, instead of thank you, thank God. I'm like, it, it changed my life hearing that over and over again. And, and so I try to live my life from that perspective. And I give so much away of what I do for free. So many of my colleagues in this space, they're like, they tease me because they're like, Tiffany, how do you make any money as a business when you give away like 80% of your knowledge for free? And somehow yet we've, we've managed to grow a multi million dollar business. I couldn't tell you how, because I know it's not me. That has been very clear that this is all of God. I, I remember being 23 and I moved out of my parents' house. My sister and I be- were roommates. And I remember praying because I was struggling with, even though with the financial lessons that I grew up with, I remember praying and saying, God, I don't get it. I'm reading all these books. I'm taking all these classes. I don't get it. And I remember sitting on my second hand couch in my new apartment saying, God, I promise if you will teach me, I will teach others. I I made that like pact and I, you know, and I remember feeling this feeling like, okay. And I remember saying that if you will teach me, I will teach others. And then every book, every class, all of a sudden this knowledge opened up to me and it wasn't hard anymore. And for, for years I was like, yes, I got it. I'm doing so well, financially perfect. And then one got one day God said, okay, now it's time for you to teach others. And I was like, wait, what? I forgot the second half of my (laughs) promise. And I was like, yeah, not right now. And I remember it kept coming like, Tiffany, it's time. And I I was scared. And I was like, well, I don't, I was a teacher already. And I was like, well, I feel like I'm already giving my life to you, God, because I'm teaching in the classroom. So I think that's good enough. And the voice was very strong. Like, no, it's time for you to leave. I was a preschool teacher for 10 years. It's time for you to leave this classroom and to go into a bigger, broader classroom. But I was afraid. So I refused. And then the recession came and my school was shut down. Mm. And I remember being like, Okay, God I'm ready to listen because it was so clear to me that it was like Tiffany you okay you don't it's, you don't have to listen to me but life will teach you yeah. and so when my school was shut down it, it, it and the only thing I could lean on I lost all of my finances everything financial that I, that I thought that I built up was broken lost my house lost my um, my retirement account no savings moving back home at 30 everything. It was such a humbling time, and I knew that that was just God bring me back to center to say, you know, you made me a promise, and it's time for for your component. And as I was helping myself dig my way out of, like, all of the financial trouble I found myself in, I started to finally really commit to teaching others. And I was – I mean, almost every day I had someone – someone's living room table, someone's basement, someone's church, someone's girl scout troop. I was teaching, teaching, teaching. I started the budget Nista and it was very clear to me if I'm in alignment with this promise that I've made that I will always be okay and and I have not strayed from them. There've been times when I try to veer a little bit and God's like that's not the way. That's why you're struggling over there. Come on back to what we promised. And from that that's why I do what I do and how I do what I do. It's because if you, if you'll teach me, I'll teach others. And so I'm just fulfilling my promise to teach others about personal finance so they can release themselves of this bondage of what debt and bad credit and, and what that feels like. But even bigger than that, knowing that that it comes from a place of generosity and kindness and love. And I think that's why I know that's why the budget needs to, my business does well is because I'm, I'm finally living up to the promise that I made and why God created me, which is to teach.
1: Yeah. And I mean, that's, it's such evidence as you talk, Tiffany, that generosity isn't just a discipline. It's, it's a way of life. And, and you feel that about what you have been given in all spheres and it is contagious. I'm just grateful for you. When you were telling the story earlier about, about going back to Nigeria, my son is from Rwanda and we went back this year and somebody said, Oh, I'm so glad you're taking him. So he can kind of almost just a slide of hand saying that so he can be grateful for what he has here.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I was like, okay, <laughs> let me, let me roll my sleeves here because <laughs> let me tell you what's going to happen. He's not going to look at his country where he was born and think, wow, they took me to a better place. He is going to wrestle with the reality that in a million ways they are happier and mm-hmm. there is a freedom and a joy and a perspective that they have that is way healthier than the one. Mm -hmm. So I'm not, I'm taking him in many ways to a better place that is, is shaped by that generous spirit that is in you. And I pray will be in him
0: too. So anyway, thank you for being on today. No, thank you for having me. Honestly, Jenna, I'm getting like goosebumps. Like, wow. Sometimes I call it the God nod where Mm -hmm. You're, you ask yourself, am I on the right path? Am I on the right path? And, and God sends you a God nod where it's like, yes. And today's exactly what I needed. And this was a huge God nod for me. Thank you. Thank you,
2: girl. That was awesome. Hey, everyone. Chloe here. And... So excited to tell you guys a little bit more about Tiffany. When Jenny and I were talking about what we wanted to do on this little bonus series, we were just trying to think of like who are some people who are true experts in their field that are helpful and would just be great to put in y'all's earbuds. So Tiffany immediately came to mind because she is fun she's brilliant and she has some really practical and helpful tips when it comes to money so make sure you go and follow her on Instagram she puts stuff up there all the time that's really helpful about making better choices with our money and being better stewards of our money so you can look for her over there And if you want to dive a little deeper into this, Tiffany has created this course, an online course called the Live Richer Academy. And so if you go to thebudgetnista.com, scroll down, you can get on there. And she's got like 50 financial experts that have put all kinds of videos online for you to do. And she's just walked through it step by step. And you can read more about her story and find more of her helpful resources. So we hope you guys enjoyed today's episode and we'll see you next time.